Good morning. It's Ayawimala, and today's Thursday, February the 11th, and I'm here in northern Illinois. Um, someone mentioned my squirrels the other day. I still have them, but like right now there's one. There'll be two or three more. There's some birds, but with all the snow, I think the older squirrels, the ones who get real chubby as they gobble up things, uh, before the snow starts. I think those are the ones who are probably nesting and staying. They probably don't have to go out for food. Some of the younger ones haven't figured out they're supposed to get nice and fat before the winter hits. So they come out and play a little bit and they find the food where I've put it outside. So not as many, but they're still here and it's fun to see what birds are here and, um, they're still, they're still being really good aspects of nature that I'm really enjoying. Hope you are too. Hope you have some critters you like. Um, I, I wanted to read, you know, I've been, uh, excited about Ashin Tejaniya or Sawada, 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 or Sawada, uh, Tejaniya. And I uh, have been telling you about the books I've I've got from his the uh, organization in Berkeley. And one of the one of the little books is it's just this tiny it's a very small book, but they're just so good. This is one that was compiled based on things that he has talked about in talks and some of his students just collected them. So there are a lot of uh, things to remember and little short pieces, but it's called Don't Look Down on the Defilements. They Will Laugh at You. And if you look at the picture, it's a cute cartoon. I think it's a crone. It's an old lady, so I can relate. And she's look, she's meditating, but she's looking down at a little mouse right in front of her. I think that mouse is the defilement laughing at her. <laughs> Actually, I like this picture very much. <laughs> it's definitely a crone. <laughs> so I wanted to read a couple of things. Um, I think it's really important when we're meditating. Oh, thanks, Steve. He's sharing the link. <laughs> it's very important if we're, if you're meditating. And obviously, I'm a Buddhist nun, so um, my point of view is through the uh, the Buddhist teachings. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I'm always uh, okay that in that uh, direction. So the meditation is very good uh, practice, and it can be a very good. It, it's definitely something that's a good secular practice. It, you don't have to be a Buddhist to practice meditation, but I think it's important for us to understand uh, why we meditate and the way the Buddha taught meditation was not just to relax our bodies. Part of it's to find ease within ourselves. But we need to understand that meditation is part of a, a life, a way of living. And it's a way of living that sees reality clearly. 
and also realizes that we need um, to live that to live the most to live the happiest life and the life that's the the uh, the most rewarding even in the face of the realities of the the world we need to do it with a certain amount of wisdom about the world and about reality and uh, ethical behavior so we so we don't have a lot of the defilements piling up and that ethical behavior helps us learn to be harmless and not to do not to do damage as we walk through this life so there's a certain amount of wisdom and we have to have a certain understanding of of what this entire path is because we can't end suffering just by sitting and um, just by sitting and learning how to 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 uh, relax our bodies. So I I think this book has some great short answers to a couple of things that I that uh, that we need to understand to understand these words if they come up when you hear Buddhist teachers speaking or if you if you don't understand and it seems like a kind of judgmental process. So this book is Don't Look Down on the Defilements. And right away, the word defilement is one that I think we often, until we begin studying the suttas, a lot of teachers don't want to use that word defilement because it sounds really like something shameful and dirty. But the defilements, I wanted to read the definition in this book. Yeah, and he does, uh, uh, Tejaniya uh, does, it's like this is his book, these are his words. So he's even have, as a foreword that there were students helping him put this little book together, but it's it's his teaching. So he has a definition of defilements, which I think is really wonderful, and a definition for wisdom, because we always talk about we need right understanding, and that understanding is often, um, we talk about wisdom, we need some wisdom, so we need to know, you know, what we're, what we're working with, and we need to know what is that wisdom, and what are the defilements we're working to overcome. So I'd like to read these short pieces. So what are defilements? Defilements are not only the gross manifestations of greed, hatred, and delusion. The, those are the, the uh, three poisons or the things that keep samsara going, that keep those rounds and rounds of uh, kind of misery and going so they're at the center, greed, hatred, and delusion. So I'll start over. Defilements are not only the gross manifestations of greed, hatred, and delusion, but also all their friends and relatives, even the very distant ones. See if you have ever had one of the following or similar thoughts cross your mind. And then he quotes, those lights should not be on this time of the day. His behavior is so irritating. He shouldn't have done that. I could do it a lot faster. 
I am a hopeless meditator. My mind cannot even stay on the rising falling for one minute. Yesterday, my meditation was so good. Today, I am all over the place. Wow, this was a wonderful sit. Now I need to be really mindful so I don't lose this feeling. I must stay in the Dhamma Hall. Others will think I am lazy if I don't. I need an extra portion of potatoes today because it's good for my health. Yuck, this salad has onions in it. No bananas again? He is so selfish, so inconsiderate. Why is this happening to me? Who is responsible for cleaning the toilets? Now remember, he's talking about people on a retreat, like a 10-day silent retreat or a long retreat. Why is this yogi walking here? They shouldn't be making so much noise. There are too many people here. I can't meditate. Someone is sitting in my seat. She's so pretty. He walks so elegantly. All such thoughts are motivated by defilements. Don't underestimate them. So these are specifically things if you've ever been on a meditation retreat or even a half-day meditation workshop or a whole day. You know these thoughts, right? Um, Have you ever told someone you were not angry even though you clearly did not like what they had done? Do you sometimes talk negatively about your boss, a member of your family, or even a good friend? Do you occasionally tell a dirty joke? Do you habitually sweet-talk people into doing things for you? Do you automatically raise your voice when someone does not agree with your point of view? All such talk is motivated motivated by defilements. Watch out for it. Have you ever knocked really hard on someone's door or refused to enter a room because someone you dislike was in there or jumped a queue or used the shampoo someone left in the bathroom or made a private call using your employer's phone line, or done any similar actions, all sort of unthinkingly. All such actions are motivated by defilements. Become aware of them. It's a lot to think about. I mean, you can take all of those that are sort of specific to being at a retreat, uh, like who's responsible for cleaning the toilets today. But we, you can think about that at home too, I guess, or if you have housemates. Um, but the, you know exactly all these kinds of thoughts, right? Those are the defilements. Those are the things that cause us kind of everyday dukkha, everyday suffering, everyday dissatisfaction. And a lot become more. A lot of them start going into... Uh, actually eh, maybe doing some harm to ourselves and to others. So he's he's reminding us to watch all these little things, these little uh, glitches, these little mind mind glitches. 
And then the other one that I like his short definition for is about wisdom. Because we talk about when we're meditating and when we're doing vipassana or insight meditation, that we can just sit and be uh, be with ourselves and kind of, if, if we've studied and um, we've had some practice and we have experience and wisdom of the world, that we, that's what we're working with when we just do uh, insight meditation. We're kind of letting all of that be there, be present in us, and it's kind of working at a, uh, you know, less obvious. It's, it's able to work its way when we're quiet and when we allow our minds to slow down. And uh, so we sometimes have a, not a very good definition for wisdom, what that wisdom is that we're allowing to be there and that we're allowing to 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 uh, integrate with us when we sit. Wisdom. We usually acquire wisdom or knowledge by learning through reading or hearing, by thinking and reasoning, and through direct experience. So reading or hearing is is acquiring the right information to get us started. And then thinking and reasoning is the process of digesting the information. And direct experience is understanding which arises through direct experience. We need both the uh, learning through reading and hearing and thinking and reasoning in order to practice mindfulness effectively so that experiential wisdom can arise. All three are part of meditation. All of them are essential for Vipassana. When we are new to meditation, we need to read Dhamma books or at least listen to and participate in Dhamma discussions. This gives us the information and and advice we need to practice some material to think about. We need to remember information and advice. We need to reflect when confronted with difficulties. And of course, we should also ask questions in Dhamma discussion. Making this conscious effort to bring in wisdom is essential. However, it is also very important to bear in mind the impact that this acquired knowledge will have on our practice. All such information will keep working at the back of our minds, will influence the way we think, the way we see things. So make sure that you have really understood the basics. Make sure that you know what you are doing. Whenever you are uncertain or when you cannot figure things out by yourself, clarify your understanding with a teacher. It is vital to have the right information, the right motivation, and the right thinking to practice intelligently and effectively. For most of us, this process of acquiring wisdom is a slow and awful, painful, often painful learning experience. We keep making mistakes. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Even more importantly, never feel bad about having made a mistake. 
I love that sentence. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. And even more importantly, never feel bad about having made a mistake. We cannot avoid making mistakes. They are, in a sense, like stepping stones of our path, of our progress. Becoming aware of, carefully looking at, and learning from mistakes is wisdom at work. As we learn from our mistakes, wisdom will start coming in more naturally, more automatically. Over the years, as our practice progresses, as we become more and more mindful, the knowledge and understanding we have accumulated will naturally come in more quickly. Wisdom and mindfulness will start working as a team. When when awareness becomes natural, the mind is strong, and the wisdom you have acquired is always available. You no longer need to make an effort to bring it in. When the observing mind gets stronger, wisdom can deal more competently with defilements. As your wisdom grows, the mind becomes purer and more equanimous. Eventually, you will start experiencing moments of equanimity and clarity in which you begin to see things in a completely new light. In other words, you start having insights. Having an insight means understanding pre... What? Let me start over. Having an insight means understanding deeply what you previously only understood superficially or intellectually. It is something that happens naturally, spontaneously. You cannot make it happen. The, The account of someone describing certain experiences leading up to an insight and the actual insight itself are two fundamentally different things. So having similar experiences yourself does not at all mean that you are having an insight or that you will have an insight. When the time is ripe, when you are ready, you will have your distinct experiences and your own distinct insights. Then you will understand the vast difference between whatever you have read or heard about insight and the actual insight. You can express the effect an insight has on you or the experiences around it, but not the depth of understanding you gain through the insight. Such a direct experience of reality will have a profound impact on your practice, on the way you perceive the world, and on on the way you lead your life. In other words, the wisdom you acquire in this way will immediately alter the way you see things. However, an insight mind is not permanent. It only lasts for a moment. What perpetuates, what remains alive, is its quality, its potential. Unless we keep nurturing this quality, It can fade away. Only continued practice will keep it alive, will make sure that the wisdom you had acquired keeps doing its job and that you keep growing in wisdom. Continued practice 
does not mean you have to spend a certain number of hours per day or per week sitting in meditation, even though it certainly helps. Continued practice means being mindful in whatever you do to the best of your abilities. At this stage of the practice, wisdom is moving into the limelight. Awareness remains, as always, at its side, but now wisdom is running the show. This kind of wisdom will help us make significant progress in our practice. I'll stop there. That's just wonderful how he's saying it. This is why this is not an overnight or a kind of a quick fix. And there, I was just reading an article um, that a, a teacher sent out to some of some of us, and uh, it's saying that some people think that if they take like the uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction class that at the end of the eight-week class, then they don't have to meditate any longer, that they've got it, that they've got the information they need, and uh, they're fine. And that, that what what we know is that that's, that's not true. That's, uh, we have to keep, we have to continue with the practice, and we have to continue developing those glimpses the glimpses of wisdom and working on the defilements and uh, becoming aware of them. And, and all of this takes time. It takes work. It takes progressing at baby steps. Uh, but it comes if we keep doing that. So I really like his explanations of things. Huh. And he even then he begins to talk about when we, I, I want to I want to read just a couple of other sentences. The more you do this, the more the wisdom you gain by thinking will increase your faith in the Dhamma, and therefore further stimulate your interest in the practice. Increased interest in the practice will result in more learning, and thinking. You will stop being afraid of making mistakes and will start exploring new ways of dealing with difficulties. You will see the benefits of the practice more clearly and understand what you have learned at deeper levels. All this will further increase your faith. Once you start having insights, your faith in the Dhamma gets a tremendous boost. This will yet again strengthen your determination to practice wholeheartedly. The practice of mindfulness will become a mainstay of your life and your world will never be the same again. So, uh, and he ends this section by saying, do not limit yourself. Always leave the door wide open for new and deeper understandings. No matter how experienced you are, no matter how much knowledge you have, how much more knowledge you have than everyone else, never be satisfied with the wisdom you have acquired or with the depths of insight you have had. So it's so simple and so beautiful. So again, this is don't look down on the defilements. They will laugh at you. And it's by Ashin Tejaniya. 
or Sayado, Sayadal, Tejaniya. And I think Steve has put information up. So this process, every part of this process feeds into another part and increases. Uh, so as our wisdom grows, our understanding grows, and then our, our mindfulness practice grows, and then our wisdom grows, you know, our understanding grows, and everything leads to the the insights, and it's our own personal experience that will let those insights be teachers for us. And even those are not permanent, but they give us a base, a glimmer, and that that's what allows us to let go, just drop naturally defilements and... Uh, the habitual patterns that we see our mind getting into. We can just, when we can really be aware and have the insight of that, what we're really doing to ourselves, then that awareness can often allow those things to drop away naturally. But we have to keep letting that awareness grow. So, um, I can't recommend these too highly, and they're also this is something great, something great to stick in, stick in your backpack or your pocket or your purse, whatever you carry around, and it's something that you can read over and over again, just to this is this is wisdom, you know, this is acquiring wisdom through the reading and listening, and then we then it. It's in there, and it's working, it's working, it's working away. So I think that's about our time for today. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll see you again tomorrow. And we, let's, we'll practice again tomorrow. We'll practice with a meditation. But uh, practice on your own today. Spend a little time. And it's a good way to go into your meditation practice is to sometimes read something. Read a something short or read, uh, if you have a uh, any kind of chanting book or devotional book, you know, read a daily devotion. Read uh, something inspirational. So put, put something into your mind that can be back there in the back of your mind and let that be the way that's, that's why a lot of us will start our meditations with some chanting. And you don't have to be uh, a good chanter. You can just be reading it and reading it in English. And that, that puts some of that beautiful information into your mind. And that can be a great way to begin or end your meditation practice. So find ease in your life and... Uh, let it be filled with love and compassion for yourself and for all other beings. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow if you're available. <laughs>